I would like to take you to the opera where you are going to hear a Mozart opera, which is nothing but an opera written by Mozart. <laughs> this is an opera in one act, and it begins when the curtain rises. Otherwise, you couldn't see a thing. <laughs> the stage setting is a kind of a forest. There are two large trees, which, of course, indicates the forest. It's a kind of a small forest, but it's a forest. <laughs> First, the tenor comes in. He is supposed to meet his soprano, as we usually call those ladies. But she is a little late this particular season, so he hides himself behind one of the trees in order to surprise her when she comes in a little later, which she does. So when she arrives, she can't find him because he is occupied behind one of the trees. <laughs> with a knife carving her name into the <laughs> scenery. Now, she doesn't know that he is there, but uh, well, as a matter of fact, she must know it because she saw it during rehearsals. <laughs> Either she pretends that she doesn't know it or she's just plain stupid. <laughs> now, whatever it is, she gets across the stage somehow and takes place behind the other tree, which, for the occasion, hides her. <laughs> to a certain extent. Now, the chorus comes in, but nobody knows why, except Mozart, and he is dead. <laughs> That's just too bad. Next, her father comes in, and he is a very old man, Primarily because she's a very old soprano. <laughs> and he is very angry because apparently she's not his daughter. Now, this has nothing to do with the opera. I found that out myself. <laughs> and that's what we call research. <laughs> anyway, he decides that he has had enough of her, so he tells her to die, and that's exactly what she's going to do. <laughs> and with that, the opera ends, and people can go home. Now I take you to the opera house where you hear the conductor's footsteps when he enters the orchestra pit. Here he comes. Yeah, he walks sideways. <laughs> and this is the overture. <laughs> This, ladies and gentlemen, was the first part of the overture. Now you hear the second part, and that's exactly the same. Now, this little blip is an extra blip. We have in case we shoot one shot of blips. But that has never happened, so we have a lot of blips left over. Now the curtain rises and the tenor arrives. He's a little tall fellow. He comes in. He comes in from the left in a single file. Oh, <laughs> 
He goes behind the tree right away. <laughs> now the leading lady arrives. She is supposed to fill the part of the soprano. She not only fills it, she overflows it. <laughs> She's a big husband, a big, uh, uh, she's a big soprano, that's what she is. She's what we call a messy soprano. She comes in in a single pile. She also arrives backwards, but nobody notices the difference. She goes behind the other tree. She can hardly wait because. Uh, see, she is. She supposedly hasn't. She hasn't met him for a long time, so she is just. She's anxious. Now is the time for the chorus. The light is dimmed, so you can hardly see these people when they arrive, and that's why they're dressed in a kind of cheap underwear. <laughs> because there is no reason to spend a lot of money for costumes when you can't see them. Right? And that's the way the management of this theater feels about it, and that's the way it's gonna be. <laughs> Here they come. Bread and butter. <laughs> Now they're all in and they fool around in the dark for a little while. <laughs> this is a mixed chorus. <laughs> Bread and butter. <laughs> now they're out, they get the money and go home. Next, a baritone comes in and sings, Toreador, Toreador. But he finds out that he's in the wrong opera. <laughs> now, the father comes in, the old man, and he is the basso. Man, get 
Well, anyway, he has almost now told her what he had to say. And she understands him quite well. So now she prepares herself to die. But before she dies, she sings an aria. The so-called die aria. <laughs> He seems very happy about it. She dies by stabbing herself between the two big trees. <laughs> <laughs> 